まもなくピクセルオブブレックファストに止まります。Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Pod, your weekly dose of gaming news. It is Friday, July 16. I'm your host, Steve, joined as always by my developer co host, Blue. How's it going, Blue? Hi. Yep. Cool. I wish I had more time with <laughs> you, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, things are pretty hectic for us. So let's just jump straight into the news with. One of the biggest,、uh, kind of not surprising, but kind of surprising announcements、uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro has been announced. But the people that announced it w a s Valve.、Uh, <laughs> so Valve announced their handheld PC, the Steam Deck,、uh, which we reported a few weeks ago now was codenamed the Steam Pal.、Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, the Steam Deck is true. It is a seven inch screen, just like the newly announced、uh, Nintendo Switch OLED. It's going to be arriving this December,、uh, starting at $399 USD.、Uh, you actually have to、uh, register on Steam and pay a, uh, a uh, reservation fee,、uh, which is kind of cool. They've come out and said, We're doing this so we don't get scalpers. If you cancel your pre order, you get your registration fee back straight away. And then it's just a fair balance system for people to get these things as possible. Um, but yeah, it's a good looking bit of kit. I'm just pulling up some of the、uh, specs here.、Uh, so it has a custom Zen 2 AMD processor, USB C port, and a micro SD for storage expansion. There are three versions of this, each with different storage options. So the 399 version comes with 64 gig of eMMC internal storage and a carrying case. There's a 529 USD version, which is 256 NVMe SSD internal storage. So it has faster storage. And、it comes with some Steam community profile extras. And then there's a 649 USD version, which is 512 gig of NVMe SSD storage、um, and has a premium anti glare etched glass with the carry case and an exclusive virtual keyboard theme.、Um, basically, another thing they've come out and just made very clear here is that there is no game difference in frame rates or graphics quality between the three models. So it's just bigger and faster storage. Uh, you can boost that storage with a micro SD card. And they're also、uh, releasing a dock peripheral, which you can purchase separately. And that、uh, allows you to connect it to an external、uh, display and has USB、uh, ports so you can plug in game pads or fight sticks, as they're shown here in their images.、Mm. Um, this is super cool. It's also got like some touch pads、uh, on either side of the sticks.、Um, so you can, I guess. Play games like Disco Elysium, they've got on here, which you know has controller support now, but definitely plays better with a mouse.、Uh, so, taking some of the learnings there, I guess, from the、uh, Steam, Steam controller.、Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it just it looks like a good bit of kit. Like, I'm very, very interested in this. And,、uh, you know, games running at 60 hertz,、uh, your entire Steam library, much cheaper than any of the consoles in terms of the games library.、Uh, Yeah, this is very tempting if you want something that's handheld.、It's、and a really, big thing for me right now. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Blue. It's really hard to wrap your head around this because this isn't a console, right? Like, this is a laptop、mm-hmm. dedicated to gaming. Yes, they've specifically said that you can install other PC products yeah, anything. on there and other storefronts like Epic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge concession as well because that means that hardware always makes a loss, right? Like, they're just outright、mm-hmm. saying, It's fine. It doesn't matter.、Um, 
we we are gonna it's more important to to make this happen um mm-hmm. and they very much were in their rights to try to force some kind of um um oh what's the word i'm looking for exclusivity but yeah. they didn't obviously it would have been broken anyway this is a powerful piece of kit there's a lot of potential uses for this um We'll see. We'll we'll see. Yeah, like I can totally see someone buying this not exclusively for games, right? Like that would be a driving, a major driving factor. But they've probably got some other reasons to to use this as well, right? Um, for sure. It's really interesting too because, like you say, there about the, uh, you know, um, loss on hardware. Like if this hardware is good, and looking at the videos they've released, it looks really good. Uh a lot of people are using the Switch as their indie game machine that they mm. can plug into their TV. If Steam has solved that problem and all of the games are there first and cheaper and typically better, if you're not in that uh, Nintendo ecosystem for the Nintendo games, and many people aren't, like I'm certainly not really, mm-hmm. like this is an interesting alternative. This could be the, well, I probably won't get a Switch Pro. Or at so least many- not immediately. So many people put Switch down for months at a time anyway, yeah. right? Like, Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting as well because over the past week or so, um, one of the like best tournament organizers in the world, uh, Team Spooky Sabin, has been um, ex- like experimenting with um, the, fo- the folks over at, I think it's Brooks Hardware, with a, a, an adapter that'll handle any controller uh, when you plug it in for the for the use of um, for the use in tournaments, because one of the problems with PC run fighting games is they're better. Fighting games are just better on PC, but at a, in a tournament setting, you can't afford the. Well, this control doesn't work quite right. Let me go in and try to fix it. And okay, this isn't behaving quite. And like this controller is this like universal thing. And if if this is now a portable PC. This is like one aspect where I can see a huge potential like change already, right? Um, if if it's just a PC, it'll work with so many peripherals out of the box, yeah. as opposed to you know buy the Switch proprietary light gun. Um, yeah, this is potentially yeah, very like, big. Imagine potentially very big. Imagine lands right now. Yeah. I can just throw my my Steam Deck in the bag and get ten people in a room to play our favorite games instead of all of us lugging stuff everywhere and needing oh do we have enough power to power this many pcs in a room like that sort of stuff yeah um super super cool it is worth saying that while it does begin shipping in december this year only in the united states canada the european union and the united kingdom more regions are coming in 2022 um but yeah super cool thanks for bringing us the switch pro that we deserve uh moving on to i particularly don't care about this but it was everywhere on twitter uh, there is a Nickelodeon Smash Brothers coming out. Uh, the Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl is going to be throwing characters from SpongeBob, Rugrats, and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Invader Zim into a brawler game. Uh, there's going to be 20 stages at launch, plus a single-player uh, mode and local and online co-op. And uh, that's kind of it. It's just people were like, oh, they're making that, and SpongeBob is beating up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Leonardo and stuff. Uh, super cool. Like, I'm surprised more games haven't tried to go down this route. Maybe uh, that PlayStation yeah. All-Stars kind of scared everyone off. But. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, am I 
sure about this information. I saw this. I can't <laughs> find something to back me up very quickly. I'll say it anyway. Um, speculation, I guess. Uh, cause mm-hmm. I don't know if the people who said it are like correct, but um, I heard that the like part of the development team of this are the people behind Slap City, which is a very very competent uh, platform uh, fighter uh, Smash clone, right? Um, which is why it like it makes sense when you look at the the trailer and the gameplay. Um, you you can I can see Slap City in it. Uh, if that is true, that means that the pedigree of this is actually really really good from the developer's perspective, um, which gives mm-hmm. it more legs than the PlayStation one. <laughs> PlayStation. Uh, I'm looking at Slap City now. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, Slap City is actually really really sick. Um. So if it is the the people there, I can't confirm this because I didn't have time to do the research. Um, that that's really really good uh, as well. I've heard that the online netcode will be rollback, which is a huge deal. Like, uh, cannot overstate how like huge of a deal it is for uh, more things to just consider rollback because um, it's going to feel real good, and that gives it longevity. So there's there's a lot of potential here out of the box. I um a lot of uh, fighting game people are kind of ironically excited about this um i don't it won't dethrone smash like looking at this from the like um ip perspective it's just yeah this is really funny and cool but from a technical like perspective it has it has legs i don't know what to i don't know it's not my scene so yeah definitely yeah uh so kojima the infamous creator from japan has come out and said that he actually doesn't like the title death stranding director's cut <laughs> no, i'm on, Which, I'm uh, with him on I guess, this one yeah yeah i agree with him uh yeah. but also it doesn't matter like uh no. so i'm gonna read his thing and then we'll get into it yeah um a director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it or because the running time had to be shortened in the game, it is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Director's Plus. So in my opinion, I don't like the call Director's Cut. Uh, so he's saying that he they continue to develop the game and add new features, uh, which is his contention there, uh, which, yes, that's a technicality, but also I think most people assume, especially the way that Director's Cut is used as a marketing term, that it's just extra stuff. I don't think many people, unless you're into film, like very into film, think, ah, that's because Ridley Scott didn't get to give the version of Blade Runner that he wanted. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, So also like his Kojima, I'm sure he had some sway if he really didn't want it to be called Director's Cut. Yeah, I would would think. Especially when the rumors are that, uh, you know, he's trying to walk away from PlayStation him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I like how the way we said this that you, a, you had that in such oh, a nice yeah. way of like, oh, Microsoft's trying to get in. I'm like, yeah, he's trying to walk away from PlayStation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, um, director's cut seems to be the the replacement term for game of the year edition. Yeah, particularly for I, PlayStation I saw that take as well. Yeah, particularly for PlayStation titles like Sony, her creating this marketing spin around them of hey we don't want to release 100 games like game pass we want to release 10 really good like multi-million dollar huge projects like film so it makes sense they're trying to create this premium sounding thing of director's cut Mm. which in like we're seeing it in Tsushima like goes to Tsushima director's cut 
is just the PlayStation 5 version with a DLC. Like the yeah. new DLC that they're releasing. So it, instead of it, just calling a it a DLC, it's like, this is the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's just marketing spin. It's it is. a PS5 version of the original game and the DLC. Let's be honest with what it is, right? Yep. Um but yeah, ultimately, I I like yes, I, I see his point. I agree. I think it doesn't matter. But interesting that he's saying this stuff. It's all marketing spin. From Kojima's perspective, what I see it as, he doesn't want to become the next Tom Clancy. Yeah, okay, interesting. That's interesting. That's, that's what I'm reading. That's the subtext I'm getting from it. Where they Video just slap Kojima, his name. Zone of Enders 5. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I can see that. That would sell. That would oh, just yeah, sell. That would sell. Of course yeah. that would sell. Um, so, uh, this is an interesting one, um, that's debated all the hardcore, uh, fans out there. So Psychonauts 2, well, it's activated them because they come out Mm. being dickheads. Um, (laughs) Psychonauts 2, uh, is going to include a feature that, uh, allows you to enable invisibility by choice. Let me just press it that invincibility, sorry, by choice, uh, that will enable people of all ages and all possible needs to enjoy the game. Uh, so the the tweet from Double Fine, uh, well, hang on, let me pull this up correctly. Uh, so Xbox, there's, there's a bit of a tweet war going on. Xbox said that beating the game on the lowest difficulty is still beating the game. Yeah. If you beat Psychonauts 2 with the invincibility toggle on, you still beat Psychonauts 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, all people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing and important process for our industry and a challenge we need to meet. I agree with this. I absolutely agree with this. Uh, and be also, clear, that second part we... was from Double Fine, not Xbox. Ah, the, yeah, there we go. I, I, I agree with this sentiment so much. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it the right way. It is not forced. To turn it on, you have to choose to turn it on. Yep. Right? It's not like they're doing it on purpose. Uh, Double Fine uh, did some tweets here uh, in true Double Fine uh, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, excuse me, I beat Sorty Guy Serious Time on a yeah. no-hit hard mode, and if you didn't do that, I don't respect you. And, like, can you even comment on things if you're not Diamond 6 rank and Shooty McBlam? I don't think so. Cool, bud. You're so cool. All people should be able to enjoy the games, all ages, all possible needs. End of the yeah. day, we want you to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you on whatever terms you want. Absolutely. So many people don't get to experience games because of the difficulty. And like a game, I can see an argument and I still don't even think it's warranted of a game like Dark Souls where the difficulty is the journey, right? But Psychonauts 2 is meant to be a fun game, right? Like it's not, difficulty is not the journey in this game. And People getting mad about how other people are going to experience the game just doesn't make any sense. Because, like, if you don't want to engage with this, then just don't. What's the harm? Difficulty um, discussions all are always rife with hypocrisy to me because none of these people complain mm-hmm. about, like, golden cat suits in Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because Mario is quote-unquote a kid's game. I dare those people to play the hard levels of Mario. Those aren't easy. Like the post-game content, like that stuff's not easy. Mm-hmm. And the Golden Cat suits are still available in that. Some of them at least, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. This, this is just, people, all, so here's the thing that happens with human psychology. Sometimes we get an instinct and a reaction and we don't like look at why we have that instinct and reaction. So what I think is happening here is that there's this kind of, 
immediate knee-jerk thing of, oh, this upsets me in some way. And they don't, like, dig deeper to find out why. <laughs> and they just go with, no, because it's ruining the sanctity of games. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I just don't get it. Like, if it's forced upon you, then yeah, I can, I can imagine IR, but it's absolutely not. Um, so yeah, good on you, uh, Xbox and, and, uh, and, uh, Double Fine. Yep. Uh, because yeah, like I think Double Fine, while their games are not the greatest, I, they are some of my favorite games and it's because they have so much heart and soul in most of their games. Some of them have missed, but most of them. Mm. And Allowing people to be able to experience that no matter their skill level, I think is super cool, especially for a game like Psychonauts 2. So. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, Invincibility talk- isn't oh. necessarily as much of a, uh, um, a difficulty slider as you might imagine. There are yeah, still especially like in Psychonauts. Stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, Psychonauts is a, platform, a precision yeah. platforming game. Maybe not as precision as Super Meat Boy, but like, you're still going to have to do stuff. Um, we're going to talk about Silent Hill one more time. One more time. Blooper team has come out and said that the Silent Hill leak is based on outdated or incomplete information. But they didn't go on to say that they're not working on it. <laughs> so they're, they're denying while fueling the uh, fire. So this comes from the Blooper CMO. I'm not going to say their name because I cannot say their name. Um, <laughs> out of respect. Online spec. Yeah, out of respect. Online speculations based on outdated or incomplete information can often lead to strange theories among gamers. Uh, This is to IGN in a statement. Uh, We have also applied for two other projects, codenamed respectively Dumb Spyro and Black and Black. After numerous iterations of Dumb Spyro, we've concluded we we can't at the moment deliver it in a form that is appropriately sensitive to the topic and commercially viable at the same time. In short, Dumb Spyro is no longer in active development at the moment. Similarly, the, the initial idea for Black has also been shelved, and while we're still developing a game under this codename, it is now a much different project than what you could read on the web in the past few days. Uh, so he doesn't mention Silent Hill. He doesn't say that either of these are connected to Silent Hill, and, but he also doesn't say that we're not working on Silent Hill. And everything is 100% pointing to them working on Silent Hill. So can we just agree that it's probably going to happen and move on, please? What's we okay with that? The likeliest scenario is that it's too early for them to commit to anything because they have prototypes that may not become Silent Hill, but they're in talks and yeah. they might be at black boxing stage or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Um. So this is a very, we don't really need to discuss this unless you have something on this blue, but Genshin Impact is getting uh, version 2.0 later this month, and it brings in one of the most requested features, which is cross-progression across all versions of the game. Uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, PC, and mobile. Uh, So before this, PC and mobile had cross-progression, but the PlayStation versions were siloed off on their cells. Uh, So this new thing will be adding more... uh, Adds a bunch of new features and content to the game, plus support for the PS5 DualSense controller, and then, of course, this cross-progression information. Uh, so, yeah, anyone who is playing Genshin Impact or has been siloed onto the PS5 platform or hasn't been able to play it on PlayStation and wanted to, now you'll be able to. So that's kind of cool. Um, another one that I don't really have anything to say about, except it's kind of cool, uh, Witcher 3 is getting a DLC. Uh and it's going to be inspired by the Netflix show, um, which is kind of cool. 
so there's a next gen update coming for The Witcher 3, apparently, which I didn't know. Uh, it's going to be coming out on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. And the update will be free. Uh, and the DLC, uh, it will be available for every version of the game, however. And we don't know anything else except that it's going to be based on the TV show. So. Very curious. Kind of cool, I, I guess. If- I wonder how much of the of CD Projekt Red was um, spun off into this because they've been in cyberpunk mode. Yeah, like you would imagine that they, they're also working on the next Witcher game, you would imagine. Oh, that makes sense. This is a, it. yeah, this is a spin up yeah. into that. Like, let's start with an easy win kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've even said that they're working on the early stages of a new Witcher project. So my thinking is perhaps they've got like half the team, like, you know, those early stages of a project, as we know right now, Mm. our little project, like, oh, I can't really do anything just yet. So those people who can't really do anything just yet, probably just, well, we can go make this thing. And, you know, as you said, bring some goodwill back to the company, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is another just... Good thing. Good Capcom thing. has uh, sold 4.5 million copies of Resident Evil Village. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, it's just kicking goals ever since it came out. It did 3 million in its launch in May. And then it was up to 4 million after just 20 days after that. And now we're at 4.5 million. Uh, now that's uh, the last game. Resident Evil 7 shifted 9 million copies when it launched, since it launched in 2017. Uh, but only three and a half million of those were in the first nine weeks. So Village is selling faster. Um, one And, you know, analysts are suggesting it will go on to outsell uh, Resident Evil 7. Um, Do you think this could become so that's, the biggest Capcom mm, title? Because I'd be surprised. Nah, sure. Yeah, surely not. Surely it's not. not Monster that, Hunter, I think, it has got that sewn up. I, I don't think it's that sewn up. Monster Hunter World's final tally is only in the 12, 13 million, I think. Oh, really? I thought it was more than that. Let's have a look. Let's, it might be 16. Let's do a little bit of Google food. Yeah, it might be Monster 16. Hunter World sales. The Monster Hunter World has mm, 17 million sales. 17. Okay. This, that was off. This was reported. This was reported back in May this year. Right. So, so yeah, that, I don't think it's going to get that high. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, interestingly enough, though, Monster Hunter Rise has sold over 6 million units as of end of April. So it's sold even more since then. Yeah. Oh, right, here's the story. End of May, it's at 7 million. And then it's coming to PC as well. So yes. Yeah, no, no. R- Rise um, is going to yeah, be nah. a titan for uh, Capcom, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... As we've talked about several times now in this podcast, Capcom have gone from being two weeks away from being bankrupt or whatever to <laughs> being one of the most consistently selling companies in games now, which is super cool. Yeah. Another thing that's super cool is it's new, so to speak, but there's a Bloodborne PS1 demake project that is basically demaking Bloodborne as if it was a PlayStation 1 game. Uh, they're using Unreal Engine 4 to make it. Uh, the developer's name is Lilith Walther. I don't know if they're working alone. Uh, they're an Unreal Engine 4 tech artist and lead programmer on indie JRPG Witch. Um, but did you see this footage, Blue? It looks absolutely wild. Oh, 
I I will put a link in the show description. Just have a look at this. It's just got so much style and flair. And it's like, I want to see the full game and be able to play it. And I hope that From don't shut it down. But they're a Japanese company, so they probably will. Yeah. Also, Sony will throw their weight around. Yeah. It looks super rad. Uh, so, yeah, I'll I'll share a link, but go check this footage out. It's It's really great. I love seeing these little fan projects that are just trying to do something a little strange and weird. Um, okay. So just a couple of new release stuff happening. We've got Minecraft Dungeons 6 DLC and the ultimate edition will get a release on the 28th of July. Uh, so the sixth and what is being reported as potentially the final DLC is the echoing void biome and the ultimate edition, uh, will bring all of the DLC together, uh, for a discount. Uh, they'll also be dropping another free content update, which has some new missions and some new uh, enchantments and all that sort of stuff. I definitely fell off Minecraft Dungeons after that first release, but you know, I know Hot Rice, who listens to this show, plays it a lot, and like it was a pretty competent game. Um, and I think they've definitely increased the difficulty and added a bit more value uh, to your time because that was my whole thing. It was just, well, I'm clicking, but it's not as satisfying as those other games. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. What the Golf is getting a new update that adds a thousand new holes. Uh, it's called What the Golf: A Whole New World. Uh, it's uh, actually it's already arrived as part of the Apple Arcade. I'm not sure when it's coming to the other versions. Uh, it says Nintendo Switch and PC will be getting the update for free in the next few weeks. Um, so if you like What the Golf, there's a whole new world to explore. Uh, with a thousand new holes, I absolutely hated this game, so I won't be checking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam and Max, this time it's virtual. Uh, Sam and Max Hit the Road is my favorite game of all time. I love Sam and Max's characters. Uh, they have a VR game. It looked terrible when I first saw the trailer, so I haven't watched anything else from it, but I'll still pick it up just because I want to support that franchise any way that I can. It is out now on the Oculus Quest. Uh, and PC VR and PSVR are coming uh, sometime this year, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, if you have a quest and you want to see Sam and Max, it's out now. Uh, I'll probably pick it up in the next couple of weeks and we'll talk about it on the podcast, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about this one. I don't, I'm not sure if you did, Blue, but Pokemon Unite is launching for Switch next week. It is a Pokemon free-to-play MOBA. From Tencent. Tencent, yeah. I'm struggling yeah. to keep all of the um, Pokemon things straight in my head because there's more than a few non-mainline, very big deal games coming out. I have no idea what's doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is coming out on the 21st of July and anyone who downloads and logs in before the 31st of August will get access to a mythical Pokemon, Zerora. Your Zerara? guess is good in mine. Zerora. Yeah, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know anything about Pokemon. Um, But yeah, this is developed by Timmy Studios, which Tencent own. I think they own 100% of that studio. Uh, Timmy Studios make Call of Duty Mobile. Um, And apparently this has been available in closed beta for a couple of months. Um, But yeah, Pokemon Mobile on Switch, free to play. Check it out, apparently. Uh, And then we've just got a delay here. Ghostwire Tokyo has been delayed to early 2022. Uh, so this is the game that not is super surprising. But. Yeah, not super surprising. So this is uh, from Tango Gameworks, mm-hmm. uh, who were the creators of the Evil Within franchise. Uh, it is the last Bethesda exclusive for Sony before the Microsoft deal. 
Um, and the official statement that was done with one of those amazing Twitter graphics, uh, we've made the decision to delay the launch of Ghostwire Tokyo to early 2022. We want to get the game in your hands as soon as possible so you can experience the unforgettable version of a haunted Tokyo that we've been hard at work building. At the same time, we're also focused on protecting the health of everyone at Tango. Our new release window will give us time to bring the world of Ghostwire to life as we've always envisioned it. Thank you for being patient as we work to bring you an experience unlike anything else we've ever made. We can't wait to show you more in the coming months. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I'm a big fan of games delaying to make sure that they release a good game. I'd rather rather wait and have a good game than get a shitty game and complain about it until they fix it. And then by then 10 other games have come out and I'm never going to go back to see if they fixed it. So, um, yeah, not surprising. As you said, Blue. I don't think any like game delays can be surprising in this year. Yeah. I think the, the effects of the pandemic, especially for bigger studios are just going to keep rolling for, for probably a another year or two. Yeah. Well, we won't, um, th- we won't, it won't be announced, but we'll be feeling these delays for the next like four to five years. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's a good time to be an indie dev who have all been working remote and don't have the legalities the of security and all yeah. that. Like nothing's really changed. So it's a good chance for indies to get a bit more of that spotlight. Um, but yeah, so that's it for the news. There's a lot of news there. Sorry we're blasting through it, but we're recording this on a Friday because we didn't have time to do it yesterday and we don't really have time to do this today, but we're <laughs> doing it anyway. So um, thank you for listening, everyone. We are going to quickly chat about things that we've played. Uh, I finished Resident Evil Village, Speak of the Devil. Um, not going to do any spoilers here, but that game is super weird and interesting uh, and it doesn't really feel like a Resident Evil game to me. Uh, I think we spoke and alluded to the fact that I just don't think their first-person shooter chops are there yet. Like, it just feels a bit clunky and not in a good way, not in a good way that Resident Evil does usually feel a bit clunky because it heightens attention. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just the field of view in that game makes me feel queasy. That one is uh, which yeah, there's, a very known yeah. thing, for sure. Yeah, um. there's uh, only only been a handful of like actually i can name them resident evil 7 resident evil 8 and alien isolation are the only games that i've ever played that make me feel queasy um but yeah i think like the opening of the game is quite strong and then the middle kind of lost me completely i didn't care and honestly the only reason i kept playing was because i paid a hundred dollars for this game (laughs) that's never a good feeling yeah exactly but Then I got to probably the last two hours of the game and I was like, oh my God, hooked me back in. Um, They tie it into the history of the Umbrella, the formation of Umbrella, which if you've played the entire series like I have, I'm like, oh my God, are they going to do that? And they did it. And yeah, it it was super awesome. They also take a really big twist uh, towards the end. uh, And my feelings on Ethan Winters changed completely. Oh, sick. Awesome. In an interesting way. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it a good or a bad way. Just my feelings changed. And then the ending left with more questions uh, than I would have liked, but in a good way and really opened my imagination for what the next game could be. I don't think they'll go down the extreme road that I would like them to, that I'm seeing there, but it would be cool if they did. Um, Anyway... Yeah, I I think if you are like me, if you're struggling through the middle and if you are a Resident Evil fan, push through. Just push through. 
This is a game I'm definitely not going to go back and find all the things and get the platinum on or anything, but uh, I'm glad I played it. And I think it's a really cool format in that they had the like four bosses in the hub world and it's kind of like a story anthology situation thing. Like I think that was really cool. In that though, I do think that Lady D and Magnetic Trash Man, I think they're the only two that were good. The other two bosses, like I just don't, I didn't mm-hmm. like them. I didn't think they had much personality. They didn't really add anything. Their performances were kind of just like whatever. They felt like kind of filler, to be honest, because Lady D was just phenomenal and her daughters. It was a cool story, really great acting, really great moments, very memorable moments, uh, and the same for for Garbage Trash Man at the end. Um, but the other two, just not not so much. So I kind of would have preferred more built around those two uh, and maybe like longer sequences or, you know, more interesting things that just padded out that length rather than just having these two, uh, whatever kind of forays in the, the middle there. Um, but yeah, pretty cool game. Uh, speaking of pretty cool games, I'm playing mass effect one, the, <laughs> um, the, the legendary edition mm-hmm. re-release of that. And, um, what are you playing that on? game? Uh, so I'm playing on a series X. Yep. Uh, because I played, uh, the, Mass Effect games on Xbox 360, so I went back there for nostalgia purposes. Gotcha. Um, it's been long enough that I don't remember the specific specifics of those games, and also Mass Effect was Ooh. kind of my first big RPG. Right. So, in a world where I never had played RPGs before, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of reading and pressing and not knowing about like upgrading skill trees and stuff like that. So, yep. um. I remember the overall arc, but I don't remember the middle bit. So it's super cool because it's kind of like playing it again for the first time. Um, and the story in this game is just so well written. Just it is. Amazing. And the it's combat just... is so not good. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> that the story better be damn good because so many people remember it fondly and it sure as hell isn't for its gameplay. Yeah. And like, I remember even like, uh, I remember Mass Effect 2's combat being so much better. So, like, I knew that going into 1. I remember that it wasn't very strong. And then add, you know, 10 years or however long it's been since that game came out on top of that, it's definitely not strong. Um, but it doesn't matter because the story is just so good. Um, and this is a game that I want to just seep into it. So I'm only playing, like, you know, an hour here, an hour there kind of thing. And... uh the other thing that's really interesting is just you kind of forget like there is the joke of the gears of war, like walking in elevators, phone call mm-hmm. conversation, because it's doing a lot of loading. It's kind of funny how you forget just how far level design has come because mass effect is this gigantic sprawling RPG that's set all across the galaxy. And each map is like, the size of an A4 sheet of paper, right? It's yep. everything's so small and everything is so empty. Like yeah. there are just corridors there with nothing in it, nothing. And you're just walking through a lot of them and then you get to a room and it's like a desk and a computer and not even a chair. And uh, and it's fine because it kind of does fit its aesthetic. But at the time, I don't remember ever feeling like, oh yeah, this is barren. Um yeah, it's just interesting to see how far just even set design for rooms and stuff has come. Like when you think of The Witcher 3 and how each house is uniquely placed items or and stuff like that, like, yeah, pretty wild. Pretty wild. 
Mm. Um, and then uh, I played some Hunt Showdown with uh, with Mini Boss and Hot Rice and Macrobat, and I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Um, if anyone else was in there, you weren't worth remembering. Yeah, apologies. And that game just still is so good. They're adding updates all the time. They just released a brand new map uh, on the test servers. So uh, all of the hardcore players are over there testing out that new map. Um, but they also added skill-based matchmaking. So now it's like there's still like elite hunters who murder you straight away, but you're getting much more balanced firefights and stuff like that. That's and, cool. uh, yeah, that game is just... I want more people to play it. I think it is a little inaccessible just because the tutorials are so bad, but um, like, yeah, it's such a good game. Still never played anything like it. Still the thrill of a lifetime to play it. It's the perfect balance of that hardcore. I I, I don't want to say sim because it's like you're fighting zombies and hell, hell dogs and stuff, but it is a simulation in the terms of guns are very slow and damage is punishing and you're bleeding and you need to know what your items do. Uh, but it's less of the minutiae of something like escape from Tarkov or a military sim. And just yep. the atmosphere is just, Oh, Oh, and that's kind of been me. Uh, I've been dabbling with final fantasy seven original, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that another time. Uh, blue. Very what about cool. you? Um, I played a bit more battlegrounds and other than that, I've been dabbling in, uh, cyberpunk 2077. I have spicy a lot of thoughts and feelings about that game. Um, Well, let's go. Let's go. I I don't know if I'm willing to commit to a lot of them yet because I'm only just through the tutorial, effectively the intro for the game. Like there's literally a title card drop after the first section of the game. So Mm -hmm. um, I I will say this. uh, This game does not sell me on the idea of an open world game. I, mm-hmm. I I I'm notoriously known for disliking open world games, and this doesn't this doesn't help that case. This is it slows the game down so much, and I can say this because I look at sections within this game that are really really good narratively, and I just think to myself, why couldn't we just have this strung back to back? Why did we need an open world in between? Maybe the the rest of the game will change my mind, but like there are really good moments of just character and storytelling in between, you know, stretches of hours of, you know what I really hate? I really hate that it's, it's optimum to pick up every piece of junk you see on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like that's optimum gameplay. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't think I can criticize it yet because it's too early to to say so. Monster of a game, right? It's too early to say so. It's like 10 hours in. So yeah, there's a lot more for the game to do to show its hand. Um, and I'm going to give it a chance. But the opening is um not super fun for my design brain. Uh, it's fun to play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun to play. Uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the narrative, but my design brain is just sitting there going, but you could have avoided all of this. This was obviously a bad idea on paper. Why did it get past design? You know, like. Yeah, it's um. I honestly, I played maybe like three hours of it on Xbox and refunded it because it was just running really poorly. Um, mm. 
that was before I got my Series X. So I would be interested to see how it runs now. But um, I did get the PC version. I haven't gone back to it. It was really interesting to see the spectacle of it. Like, that's more what I'm interested in. And, like, in those early hours, they do nail a tone. And it's a tone that I don't necessarily hate, but I'm not super sold on. Like, I think when you're going into, like, the, the Ripper docks and all that sort of stuff, like... That feels cyberpunk as fuck and like it gets those shadow run neuromancer vibes but then it's just like let's have dildos everywhere and say yeah. fuck every two words and like that really ruins the immersion like there can be some of that i get that it's meant to be punky and edgy but they leaned way too hard on that side of the spectrum i think like just insanely hard that it ruins the immersion you know what the word kept coming to my mind to describe it mm. was um schlock yeah um yeah and i love schlock when it's done well the problem is that schlock you have to buy into because it's very obviously schlock right the good good schlock you you can tell what it is um and the yeah. problem is that my design brain kept going but this gameplay didn't have to be this way and so i couldn't get invested in these meaningful moments like when i look at something you know, when I when I look at the end of the the first act objectively and step back from this critical perspective, uh, sorry, this um personal perspective, I can see that there is a meaning there, and I can appreciate that. But you you you're killing my suspension of disbelief game. Like that's that's what it is. Um, I can't buy into it because I get out of a big scene and the first thing I do is hit the scanner and look around for junk to salvage. Yeah. So uh. I'm being careful because like I am conscious that a lot of people haven't played the game yet because it wasn't available on PlayStation or they're waiting for patches and stuff. For sure. But did you see the section? Um, because I can't remember exactly where that title card drops and stuff, but did you see the section? Uh, and is the stuff with Jackie done? Yeah. Yeah. That scene where you're waiting hidden. Mm-hmm. Do you know the part I'm talking about? Is like I was so into that. It was well-written. It felt like some neo-espionage corporate yep. bullshit. I was yep. like, fuck yes. Yep. And then you just get outside and it's like, hey, fuck you, man. And posters for dildos and shit. And like yep. those two things just don't mesh to me. Yep. And yep. Totally agree. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool with the game having some fun and not being super serious. But those the, the, the writing styles just do not match up at all like it it feels like two very different worlds it feels like tarantino's directing one thing and Mm. then like ridley scott's directing the other Mm. right and but you put the two scenes together in a movie like Mm. maybe it works sometimes but usually probably not right very very different tones very different objectives and Mm. yeah i think it needed to be paired back a little bit but granted i've only played a few hours i'm i'm keen to get back into this I mean, this game was too big, as in, like, it, its reputation was too big for it to ever live up to it. It was going to fall short in some way. So I'm not surprised, mm-hmm. necessarily, that this is what happens, because story is very hard to nail down uh, in, a, in, a, yeah. in an experience that's this size. But, uh, you know, still got a column as you see him. That's the first criticism that I can level at this game. Um, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it, maybe it pays off by the end. Here's an interesting thing. Maybe we could... So full transparency, Blue and I are playing this game for reasons. Um, but what we could maybe do is a spoiler cast. 
and and do a deep dive yeah, maybe. into this. I'd be cool to I think this fun. game like there's a lot of criticism about this around this game and so much of the criticism is either defending it or lambasting it and not really diving into okay, what actually is it? I'm not yeah. saying that criticism doesn't exist, but I'm talking like the criticism that I've seen that comes across my desk. Uh, and particularly major outlets, that's it's either this game's not as bad as everyone says, like yada yada yada, or they're like this game is the front on gamers, and they're not really <laughs> talking about anything other than oh yeah, the cop cars just spawn in behind you, and like they're the dick physics is off, and also like why is there so many dick sizes? Like I want to get out of that and talk about like what are the interesting things that it does, and where does it fall short? I think yeah. that could be an interesting thing. If you are listening to this, like, I, I have a go, go ahead, go ahead. I have a five minute rant just for like the character creator, because I feel like that alone is already um, like running counter to some of the, the things that this game is trying to do. A character creator mm-hmm. is used when you want to give your player an, uh, a blank slate, right? And this is a reasonably good character creator, in my opinion. Um, and there's a lot that you can do to the design of the character um, without knowing who your character is going to be and this is a big deal because V, the, the named per, the character that you inhabit as a player in Cyberpunk 2077, is, is not a blank slate. They have personality, opinions. Um, yeah, you can choose one of the three backgrounds, but like they're essentially going to be the same person uh, in the gameplay in terms of dialogue and stuff like that. So there's a reason Geralt worked so well in The Witcher you never pretended like you were going to be a blank slate. Geralt was always Geralt, right? There's mm-hmm. totally room to make an open world with a fixed protagonist. And I, I think Cyberpunk 2077 is a game with a fixed protagonist. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's an open world blank slate experience. But again, I'm still early in the, experience, in, in the game, so I, I could be wrong. But that's, that's from the character creator. Like, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Yeah. Let's, uh, if you want to hear this spoiler cast in like six months time, like, uh, <laughs> let us know. Cause I'm kind of keen. We might just do it anyway, but let us know if that's interesting. Um, cool. Well, I think that wraps up for a, a quick type podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for putting up with our hectic schedules right now. Videos have been very slow and few and far between. I'm working on uh, overboard, like it's written, it's recorded. I literally just need to find time to edit it but there'll be an overboard review coming up. I'm still working on that hotline Miami piece, but it's, uh, you know, as I've mentioned, it's been hard to get in contact with the people. So I'm going to work on just a retrospective from my side and then try and pitch, but needing to find the time to do that. Uh, and thanks to everyone on the Patreon, uh, big shout out to our number one contributor, the award-winning Andy Soros. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, but <laughs> thank you to everyone who does support us on Patreon. You can uh, go over there and help us do the work that we're trying to do. And uh, Blue, is there anything else you'd like to add? I apologize for whatever's gone wrong with my mic this episode. I've been trying to trouble fix it, troubleshoot it for the past half the podcast when I noticed it. And I can't figure out what oh. makes it happen or not. So it, Mini it boss, happens. Sorry. I, yeah, I am <laughs> so sorry to you. I tried, but like it's happening now, but not at the beginning of when I started this apology. And I don't know why. Wow. So I'm going to try to figure that out. Hopefully it won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, Mini Boss here. Don't worry about it, Blue. 
That's all good. All right, everyone, take it easy. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast. Pixelog Breakfast に泊まります。